Sparks Ish Brothers Podcast. My name is Joseph. I am Cam. And this week we are uh, here with a guest. Uh, Cam, if you want to introduce our guest. Uh, yeah, so we're here with uh, Christine, I'm my partner, and we watched this movie together last night, so figured, oh, well, we can talk, talk, about, talk about it together. Do you want to say hi? Hi. Um, yes, I'm Christine. Uh, why don't you give us a little uh, insight into what movies you like? Uh, give us a, I don't know, a movie or two that is your favorite right now. Yeah, um, on Letterboxd, I have Ever After, um, what else do I have? I think, I think, I think, I think you only have one, one, one favorite. No, I have four. You I did, added four. You do have four now. Okay, oh boy. I'm a, I'm, I'm a, but I, yeah, so I like, um, I like rom-coms. I like, um, yeah, romance and laughter. We also watched uh, When Harry Met Sally this morning. So Classic. That that, that, yes. was, that was a good time. But I think um, Ever After might be my fi- favorite movie. Well, very nice. Fairy tale romance. All right. Well, uh, I want to start off with uh, some news. Uh, the first thing that I want to talk about is uh, quite heavy, actually. So um, uh, uh, one of the like crew members on the new show Wonder Man uh, for Marvel uh, yes. died. Which is, uh, I think, an uh, unsettling thing that has happened recently where big movie or big productions have had uh, crew members die. Like, uh, was it a few years ago, a crew member was shot uh, because a gun was loaded with real bullets. Um, yes. And now we're seeing a, a crew member here dying. It just shows that there really is a importance in health and safety, even on movies. You don't really think about it, like, you're like, oh, people are just making a movie. But mm-hmm. there are, like, still workers making these movies. And I think it's uh, important to recognize that the working conditions aren't always that safe. And uh, uh, I'll be following this story and uh, hopefully, if the uh, if Disney is at fault, they are brought to some sort of justice. Yeah, it's been like, even like, was that like Deadpool 2? A couple of years ago, that someone 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 died on the set as well. Like, mm-hmm. so some of these big big action spectacles, there's just more risk, I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they need to have like it's it's a hundred year industry. We, we, we can have protocols, right? And just mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like the unions looking into it, and uh, we shall see what happens with that. Um, yes. The next uh, bit of news in the union vein is that uh, IATSE is negotiating uh, or about to start negotiating. Um, So that's the International Alliance of uh, Theatrical Stage Employees. Uh, So this one is for uh, ASA, which is workers outside of New York and Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Um, So right now the talks are set to begin in uh, April and end on July 31st, but it's looking like um, the AMPTP isn't really wanting to talk much. Um, so it looks like there could be a strike in those workers. So that's another thing to, to look into. And it shows like that, you know, the fight's never over. Like we've talked a lot about the strikes this summer, but uh, the, the negotiations never really end. There's all sorts of different bargaining units. Uh, it's not just the big names. There's employees at all levels that are always fighting for their contracts. That's uh, something to follow as well. Mm. Um, next, uh, so Disney Plus lost more than a one million subscribers uh, after October twelve pr- uh, price increases. Yeah, uh, which I, I have been seeing. Uh, someone in one of my classes called it uh, the shitification of the internet. Uh, 
mm-hmm. where basically as companies just gain more and more market share, they just make a shittier product and then raise prices because we know we have no choice. I don't know if you noticed this when you were watching past lives on Amazon, but even though I have like a paid subscription or to Amazon, there were still ads. Yep. Yeah. As a, uh, yeah. Cause I, 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 I looked around the other day. I'm like, Oh, and there's like, it says, Oh, uh, there, you, you, you know, you'll know how have ads unless you pay an extra X dollars a month. I'm like, here's, here's the thing. If, if you're going to be charging me ads, then why, why am I paying for a service at all? Right. Cause like, yeah. The thing about Tubi, you don't pay for it, but, there, but, but there's ads. Yeah. Makes sense. Right. But like, why am I paying ten bucks a month and I'm still getting ads? Explain well, to me. Especially when, like, I don't know, uh, we we grew up on YouTube and stuff where, yeah, you know, you, you watch an ad and you get a a free like twenty minute video. Like it, it just exactly. makes it makes sense. I mean, even YouTube has been getting uh, worse and worse in the sense that uh, the ads, uh, specifically when you watch it on like a smart TV, are getting longer and more frequent because mm-hmm. they're trying to push you to their Disney or their uh, YouTube Plus. Uh, or the YouTube premium or whatever. Uh, Same with like search engines have been getting worse uh, to filter you to places where there are more ads, Mm -hmm. which uh, is just kind of devastating. So I I just found it interesting that, you know, Disney Plus did lose a bunch of subscribers because of the price hike. This Uh, is their fifth consecutive quarter losing subscribers. Yeah. That's... uh, Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, Well... So the Amazon membership, you, it covers more than just TV, though, right? Like, it covers your deliveries and stuff. Well, that's why I think it's so strange that they would add ads to Prime because they make their money elsewhere. They don't make money on their TV shows. They make money off of delivery, and the TV shows is just, like, an added, like, hey, thanks for subscribing kind of thing. Yeah. Like, also, like, Bezos isn't hurting for, for money, right? He's <laughs> literally the wealthiest person in the world. He yeah. Can, Okay, sorry, sorry, your your eighth generation down the line might have to spend some money. Sorry. Uh, in kind of the same vein, I found this really interesting. That was uh, Dakota Johnson. Uh, I, I'm not sure if you saw this quote, but it's saying that uh, Hollywood is fucking bleak uh, and how disheartening it is because movies are just boring. Like, movies are made just to make money and not really to push any sort of creative story, uh, which I found really interesting about this is that like, she's on like a press tour for her new, uh, superhero. Yeah. Yeah. And saying like, yeah, like the industry sucks right now. And uh, I think it's just really insightful that even actors don't like what's happening in Hollywood. Like they want to be a part of interesting movies. They don't want to just necessarily make a lot of money because it's only really like what the top, like 10 actors that actually make a lot of money. Everyone else, you know, makes decent money but not as much as like the rock or something like that and like they also want to get paid like right like yeah. yeah so i i think it's interesting to see that like actors are starting to be so vocal about the stories being told in hollywood and i'm i'm hopeful that means that like maybe we'll see some more creative stories i, I know i've been complaining a lot about like superhero movies and like just big franchises in general so i don't i, I thought that was kind of an interesting thing uh to bring up they're doing a lot of remakes, right? Like, and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of new stories. And the ones that are being made that are new are getting shelved, right? We're talking like, well, Joseph, um, I'm about your phone to talk about this, but like the, uh, Acme versus whatever. Uh, Coyote versus Acme. Yeah, the new like um, Looney Tunes movie. That's that that's now getting shelved probably after, like, 
they supposedly tried to sell it, but I'm pretty sure that that, that, that was pretty much false, right? Like, they didn't try to sell, uh, sell it at all? They did try to sell it. It was just for, like, a crazy amount of number uh, of money that they knew no one would actually pay. Yeah. Because, like, so, oh, I guess we have to. Netflix, do you want to pay, like, $50 million for this movie? Or, like, yeah. something like that when the movie costs, like, maybe $10 million to make, and they're like, eh, maybe not. <laughs> Someone at Warner Bros. Should be, should be brave and blow the whistle and release the movie. Well, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's likely that the movie will just be deleted, which is yeah, just uh, pretty telling of the movie industry now. But I, uh, go ahead. Sorry, like it's the writer of May December who who wrote that one. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's it's their second screenplay credit, and like someone's career, right? Like that's like so now now someone's work, someone someone's art is now getting shelved and deleted off a off a USB somewhere. It's kind of. Really, disheartening for like for young artists trying to break into the into the scene, right? It's yeah. Uh, on that note, I do have a, a good piece of news, and that's yeah. that uh, Erica uh, Tremblay's uh, film um, F- uh, "Fancy Dance," starring Lily Gladstone, will be premiering uh, mm-hmm. on Apple TV Plus. Uh, it was originally didn't have any distributor, so it will be on Apple TV Plus. So that's good. That like some movies w- are getting picked up, but. Uh, uh, for the most part, the streaming and film industry is kind of abysmal. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I think that's all the... No, I have one more piece of news. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw this. This was from like two days ago, but the Oscars is going to add a new competitive uh, award um, in 2026. It is yeah. uh, for casting directors. Yeah. Uh, which I think is kind of cool. It's the first new category since 2001 with Best Anime Feature. Yeah, it's a good start. I think... There's a few categories they could also add, like best best stunts, should be one that they look into eventually. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a start because like casting and movies, everything, right? Like I'm thinking some like the holdovers this year, that with like casting someone who went who was a drama student at one of the schools they filmed at, mm-hmm. and now like he could have been a best sport actor. I would I would prefer Don Don Cesaro. Over over Ryan Gosling, like and like again, mm-hmm. I Barbie, I I Ryan Gosling, but but look at what this kid was able to do. Acting up, up against Paul Giamatti and D- D- Devon Joy Randolph and like good actors, and he's like holding his own, if not like oh, some seems o- overtaking them. It's mm-hmm. absolute masterwork, and like that's that's up to the casting director. Without mm-hmm. without without mm-hmm. a good cast, cast director, you don't, you don't have that, right? It's yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'm looking forward to it. I do like it that uh, the Oscars is doing more to recognize, uh, you know, the workers that aren't usually put in the spotlight, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens in 2026. But that's all the news I have. Uh, do you have any other news, or is that everything? I think that's everything that I can think of. All right, then why don't we get into the movie? Cam, do you have some fast facts for us? All right, so Past Lives is a 2023 American romantic drama film written directed by Celine Song, who is a Korean-Canadian filmmaker, so represent Canada, I guess. Uh, stars Greta Lee, Tio Yu, and John Magaro. Uh, distributed by A24. Budget of $12 million and, and box office of $22.8 million, So it did almost twice its budget back, so good for it. Very nice. Yeah. Uh what are your uh, two's initial thought, uh, Christine? Why don't you go first since you are uh, our guest? Um, well, I thought that the movie was—I um, like the casting, as we were talking about. I think that um, the man that played Arthur 
was well done as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that it was like like a love story, but more real, mm-hmm. you know, like more real life, not um, the rom-coms that we may be used to. I know this isn't a rom-com, but it is like it's got a love story, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cam, what about you? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think Arthur was a really unique character because I feel like the way that that role has typically been, been written, it's a lot more like aggressive and, and off-putting, but here you, you like, he's empathetic to them. He's not like, mm-hmm. oh man, you can't, you can't hand a hand with them because whatever, whatever. He's, he's like, no, like, I'm not, I'm not like that. Like, I trust you and I love you and I trust you to, to do what you think is right. Yeah. I mean... I'll use this as a diving off point uh, to talk about some of the stuff I want to talk about. But uh, I found that, like, the characters... Uh, like, Arthur is probably the most realistic of the, the trio. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, Nora and uh, Heysan, uh both are pretty unrealistic in the sense that they... I, I would say they're pretty unrealistic in the sense of how they've been acting for the past 12 years. Like, I don't think most people will just, like, put a hold on their life for 12 years just for uh, a person that they met when they were 12 years old. Um, I think that what I found this movie to be a lot more of is like a, like a painting where it's, it's capturing a, a feeling or like a, a type of vibe of, of longing of, you know, missing something that could have been like that type of thing. It's not really meant to be uh, realism. It's more capturing, you know, we all miss something like either whether like we miss childhood or we miss uh, in this film. I think what it's really discussing is uh, the missing of uh, where you're from. Like uh, I, I think it's less so much a, a romance than it is talking about, you know, the, the longing you have for where you coming from and trying to decide right. uh, what it would have been like if you would have stayed that kind of thing. Right. Uh, and I think on that, like if you look at it as a, as a love story type of thing, I think it does kind of fall flat because it is pretty unrealistic. But if you look at it as more of like a uh, that sort of like painting, that that feeling, that like sort of aura, uh, it does a much better job. That's kind of my initial thought. Yeah, it's more like a, a, a vibes based instead of like a, pl- a plot. Like me and me hit these key, key key points in a love story formula. It's a lot more expressive and expressionistic and mm-hmm. up, to, up to up to interpretation. Even even like, like the last shot when it's her. Walking back to her apartment after after saying bye to to Hey Song, is it like, is she like, like, you know, she's, it's she's processing a lot of things, and each person can kind of interpret what she's processing, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, before we get too much into uh, the feelings of the film, why don't we get into more of the technical stuff uh, with I the? Really, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I really liked when how they talked about the Indian and how we're connected, you know, and how you can have these experiences with people on the street and it can be significant without you realizing it. Mm-hmm. The union and the connections that we have with the past lives. Yeah. I definitely think it's an interesting way of looking at things and it does uh, go against the sort of typical individualistic uh, idea of life that we're, you know, given in in our in our society compared to uh, Korea 
uh, where it's it, like we're often told like it's just you and your family versus the world. Uh, yeah. That way of looking at things does really make it so you know everyone you you meet on the street basically you're connected to, at, at a deeper level than just you know you being human, which I think is uh, an interesting way of looking at humanity. Um, but what did you two think of the acting in this film? Oh man, Greta Lee was snubbed for best actor for best actress. Sorry, like. I'm just like, people are talking about the Margot, Margot, Margot Robbie snub. I'm like, okay, but like, Greta Lee, cause like, A, it's a bilingual performance, mm-hmm. right? She's doing stuff in Korean and in English. Has to do, 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 do it both constantly and well. Mm-hmm. And also, a wide you know, array of emotions she has to she has to display, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, she, she's in love with, it, with, with this person. She was in love with, with this person back then, but, like, there's, there's still kind of, kind of feelings now, but also she's just she's obviously still in love with her partner. But it's like, and she, it's, it's all on her shoulders, right? Like, mm-hmm. she's the she's the cornerstone on the mo- with the movie is built on. Yeah, and she does a very good good job of, of it. So yeah, it's it's a powerhouse performance, and was definitely snubbed. I would definitely agree with that, and uh, like she definitely is the driving force of the film. Uh, the two like male actors, like uh, Hae Song and Arthur, I think uh, definitely add sort of levels to her performance. But she's definitely the uh, the star of the film and sort of the emotional lead as we are kind of following her through her emotions and kind of processing the sense of longing through her. It uh, definitely, I, I do agree with you that she was snubbed for any sort of nomination. Yeah. I feel like it was a the character is written to be like strong and in control and like knows what they want. That's what I got, you know. Like she un- she understands the weight of everything and her decisions, and she still she's gonna do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and uh, speaking of that, like what I think is interesting in. Uh, like the dynamics between uh, Nora and Sung is like Sung is supposed to be like kind of the the person who's like he st- stayed at home like kind of stayed like in the traditional path uh, whereas uh, what we see with uh, Nora is she's like you know trying something new like she's being like the person who like is leaving home trying something new like challenging herself uh, and we don't necessarily see that either is right or wrong just that they are different yeah. and like uh, they are almost like two sides of the same coin. Like w- you, you never know which one you're going to be like, are, are you, would you stay like where you're always from or will you move to a, a new place? Like to challenge uh, like who you are. Like it's a, a very interesting thing that this movie uh, kind of, you know, explores. Uh, what do you think of the score of this film? I'm not gonna lie. I, I, I wasn't. I, I didn't get a get a good vibe of of, 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 the, of the the score. Like I think like during the scenes where, where, they're, where they're traveling, where, where they're going like on the ferry, you can kind of hear it a bit. But like I was so I was so mixed up in the in the in the conversation and the and the text and the characters that I kind of I definitely need to rewatch it for the for the score because like. I was just so immersed in, in, in the writing and the characters that I just kind of like it, it slipped away. That's fair. Yeah, it, it definitely was a, a little bit more of an obscure, not obscure, but like it wasn't like an in-your-face score no. like in uh, some films. But it definitely, I think, added a nice sort of a, a layer to the film. The music is by Christopher Bear and.
Daniel Rawson. So, there you go. So shout out to them for doing this for. Yeah, it was subtle, but I think it they I think it was what the movie needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I feel like sometimes you can get, get these big melodramatic or like all the things are based off of the score and you keep feeling these big things. Mm-hmm. But like, but, but I, I think because the score is a lot more subtle, it makes the acting so much, so much more important. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and I think, uh, like, at least for me, the score added more to like the ambiance of the film, like where yeah. uh, it was creating like, a feeling rather than like let's say it being the driving force like a film like may december where i felt yeah. like the score was you know what kept the pace of the film this was just kind of uh, adding to to the feeling which i i appreciate in a good score mm-hmm. it doesn't like take away your attention from the rest of the movie it, it doesn't like because a good score should focus you not to like just distract you from the rest of the movie right so mm-hmm. uh, what do you think of the cinematography of the film Oh, it was shot really well. There's some really great shots. I love like the one where they're going up, where it's the kid in the middle of focus. Like she's going up the stairs, he's going down the stairs, and like there's a lot of like and like even like on the train when they're together. But there's the but there's the but the bar in the middle. A lot of like really good imagery that I just love. A lot of good visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. I, I loved it. It was shot very well. Speaking of of that shot, uh. Like where, like at the start of the film, you see, uh, like Nora going up the stairs, and he's uh, kind of going, uh, kind of around the corner. Uh, at the end of the film, they kind of flash back to that, but now it's at night, uh, which I thought was a really interesting sort of uh, mirror play of this film. And you know, for this being, um, oh, what, what's the director's name? Uh, her Celine Song. Yeah, her first film, and she. You know, she directed, she wrote it, she was a producer on the film. Uh, it, it really is a, an impressive first film. Uh, like she came from theater, so like she obviously has like a lot of practice with writing and stuff. But uh, film is such a different medium than theater in the sense that you can play around with stuff like this. Yeah. And I, I thought that showed a great maturity in uh, her style to be able to pull off like very creative and uh, powerful scenes like that. It is always cool to see like the first film from like a theater based person i'm thinking of someone like orson wells right like his his he 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 has to start starting theater and citizen kane was his his de- de- debut because they're, they're, they're not locked in the film school of like what can you do they're, they're, it's what can you like they don't they don't know the rules they they're 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 just thinking how to make it look good how to make it mm-hmm. good and so instead of instead of following the rules which i think is good yeah uh it's, I'm definitely very excited to see what she does with her second feature, which is going to be more of like a, a rom-com, like a, a romantic uh, film uh, from the sounds of it. Uh, I know that, that she was in talks to do it with, uh, I believe, Pedro Pascal and... Uh, um, what's her name? Phoenix, no. Joaquin Phoenix? Not, not Joaquin. Uh, she, she's the one Chris who's... Chris Evans. No, uh, Chris Evans and the person who's Madame Webb. Dakota Johnson. Dakota Johnson, thank you. Yes. Uh, which, uh, so like it'd be Dakota Johnson and uh, uh, Pedro Pascal would be the main she, people. She was a st- st- staff writer for the Wheel of Time series. That's a good show. I, I like that uh, show. I haven't gotten around to it yet. So. Oh. I, I would recommend it. But yeah, I, uh, I'm i definitely very excited to see w- what she you know develops. And uh, it sounds like she's been, you know, 
perfecting her writing skills. So I'm excited. I, I love it when a director also writes their own films. I find that that you get like a clear picture of what the director really wants that way, or like what the writer wants that way. And it's more uh, like a it's more like a auteur kind of thing, right? You know, you, you're not directing someone else's work; you're doing your own. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all the, the sort of technical stuff. Did either of you have anything else to say on uh, technicalities of the film? Um, I just, I really liked, I guess, the way they portrayed, like, their immigration process. Mm-hmm. And down to, you know, the detail of the girls practicing English on the train. And the parents helping them pick their name. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really really well done from my own perspective yeah I, I i also found that interesting and what yeah even like to see like when they were in korea still like their uh uh like the father or no not the father the mother of um Sung being like like why do you want to move like that kind of thing mm-hmm. uh that is often a question that like you don't see in movies. Usually you're just like, Oh, of course you want to move to like Canada or the United <laughs> States because yeah. of course it's better. Right. Whereas like in this film, they're like, like why would you want to leave? Like you have a good life here. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that was a really interesting thing to add to this film that adds, uh, you know, a, a different perspective on the immigration process that, you know, uh, sometimes people do it, you know, not necessarily because it'll make their life better, but maybe it's because, like, it's uh, for, I don't know, that they want to just try something different. Maybe they just, uh, you know, want to live in Canada or, like, the States just because, not necessarily because it's going to make their life over overly better, right? They just heard about poutine and they were like, I'm there. <laughs> exactly, yes. Uh, I mean, Niagara Falls, she had a Niagara Falls shirt on, you know. That's, yeah. a, that's a great selling feature. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I do find that really interesting. <laughs> um, and I, I definitely think that is like, like I was saying, I, I don't think this movie is a romance though. It like sells itself as one. Mm-hmm. I do think it is more discussing immigration and discussing what it's like to move from one country to the other. And like, you're kind of a part of both countries, uh, in the sense that like, would you, do you want to return home? Like uh, he's always like telling her like, Oh, like, why don't you come to Korea? And she's always being like, no, like you come to, to uh, New York. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like the push and pull of like, do you want to go to like this new shiny place? Or do you want to go back like home where you, you, you feel, you know, kind of safe and, and at like uh, at a comfort level. Um, I don't know. Uh, what do you two have to say about that? Yeah. It's almost like, like, is she missing Korea or is she missing him? Right. Like, Cause like, cause, cause like, as a kid, she's not she's not gonna have the full like fondest memory or the full memory of like what she misses about about Korea. But like, he's he's a, he's an easy placeholder in her mind for for Korea because that's pretty obviously that was an important relationship for her as a kid. So like I feel like yeah, it's almost miss missing Korea through him rather than missing him entirely, right? Yeah, it, it, it's like it's like seeing her old self through him Mm -hmm. and kind of the feelings of grief that come along with that. Like, you know, realizing you've grown, you're not the same person and maybe that same situation isn't as comfortable as you think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I think what, uh, what really kind of got to me is like these feelings of longing are are like a normal feeling. And like, it really was 
not trying to look down on you for like you know of course like you're you're gonna look it back on your life and be like oh like what if this would have happened what, what if that would have happened but i think what this film ultimately is kind of getting at is we can't just continually live in the what if we have to actually right. uh, eventually do something either live our life uh you know in, in a traditional sense of like staying in korea in this film or live your life in new york don't like be held back by uh by these like oh what if what if i would have uh right. moved back and it's really because like there are so many uncomfortable scenes where we see that they are being held back by these feelings uh like the the scene that really made me like kind of just like you're like oh like this is uncomfortable is like the bar scene where arthur's mm-hmm. just sitting there while they're uh, both talking in korean and it, it kind of just like really spoke to me that like uh you kind of have to choose one or the other and you can't really just live in the uh, in like the liminal state between. Um, right. Yeah, do you have anything to say on that? Yeah, we, we were kind of wondering if like, because like, I know like he doesn't speak the most Korean, but we were kind of wondering how much did he, was he able to listen to, right? Because like, because mm-hmm. like. And understand. Yeah, because like I can understand French pretty well, even though like, I, I, I can't speak it at all. But like, I can watch a, a let's say a, a French bro- bro- a French hockey broadcast and kind of get what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're kind of wondering like, like how much how much he was able to pay attention to the, to the conversation. Yeah, like, was it done or a little bit or whatever. But I think that really does show like this film is living in ambiguity. Yeah, and uh, and kind of uh, just accepting mm-hmm. that the like life is so ambiguous. Like there is no set path. Like we really do have to, uh, at some point, like we have to decide. Like, like, but even our decision isn't going to work out. Like when she was young, she wanted to, you know, win a Pulitzer. She wanted to win, uh, like uh, now she wants to win Nobel a Tony, prize. a Nobel Prize. Exactly. Like you could have all these these grandiose plans, and it's good to have these these ideas. But uh, uh, so often life will never go the way that you expect it, and you kind of just got to make your decision and then go with it and you can't really mm-hmm. uh you know be wishy-washy on it you kind of just gotta right gotta do it <laughs> uh like, which, go sorry, ahead yeah like um their life was a certain way right mm-hmm. but who they are the choices that they have made have led them where they are and that is where they're meant to be mm-hmm. regardless of what people might think mm-hmm. they're supposed to do or um yeah so um it's like making a choice and sticking to it yeah no overall i i really liked this film i think that uh it was a very well technical film i think that the writing i think uh, i I, like on letterbox and stuff i see some people are a little wishy-washy on it Mm -hmm. um but i think it's because if you watch it as a romance it it Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense because like the characters are very unrealistic that like I, like that you would just like be willing to give up your whole life in New York just to uh, talk to this man that you've haven't talked to since you were 12 years old, I, right. I think is, is pretty unrealistic. I think most people think that. Uh, but if you like look at it more from like a, an ambiguous, uh, you know, like sort of like a, a commentary on living in, in a, a country that you weren't born in, that kind of thing, then it, it does hold its own a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I do find interesting is that we have seen this type of film 
multiple times coming out of like uh, South Asia, like uh, everything ever at once, I could say is like a very similar film in uh, terms of uh, what it's talking about. Um, there's another film I forget, but then like this film, uh, so I just find one? yeah, I forget what it's called, but uh, it just seems like there's uh, you know just a, a, a oh um, well, um another a twenty four was it Miri? Mariah, Mariah, whatever uh, that one, yeah. Uh, where where it's just, uh, I just find it very interesting that that this is the story that seems to be hitting home with a lot of people. And I think it is just uh, a commentary on how, as like capitalism has risen, so has the need for like globalization and for people to move across the world. Because uh, you know, as jobs get more and more specialized, you might have to move to a country where your specialized job is just more in demand and. Uh, I just find it very interesting that, uh, and I think you can definitely relate uh, these this sort of uprise in, in films talking about being an outsider as a direct link to capitalism's need for people to move around and, you know, be alienated from not just uh, in their jobs, but also uh, in their everyday life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all I have to say about this film. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, I I've said all I, I want to say, I think. All right, then why don't we get into some reviews of the film? Uh, Cam, uh, what did you uh, give this out of two thumbs up? I'll give it. I'll give it two thumbs up. You know what? It was good. I had a, I had a good time. I you know it was pretty emotional at the end, but like you know, it felt things. It was good art. It was. I'll give it two two thumbs up. Nice. What'd you give it? I yeah, I give it two thumbs up. I really like. Um, Gretelis character uh, I like the way it's or the way she um, you know portrays Nora mm-hmm. um, and it's it's different you know it's not it's not the same story that you we keep getting shoved in our face mm-hmm. right um, it's like it's still out there but it's um, yeah two thumbs up because I think the casting was really well too, like mm-hmm. Dylan, and um, I cried, but I, I cry a lot at movies, <laughs> but it definitely made me ball my eyes out. Yeah, I was, I, I was starting to well up. It wasn't quite packed into the levels <laughs> of me tearing up at, at the end, but no, no, nothing is, nothing, nothing gets me like the painting too. But. That's fair. No, I, uh, I give it two thumbs up as well. I really liked uh, what this film had to say. And I'm excited to see what uh, is going to come out of this director in the future. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, if this is where she's starting, I can't wait to see where she uh, she goes. Uh, anyway, so that has been our review of Past Lives. And now, uh, after a bit of a break, we are going to play the Letterbox game. Oh uh, so, Christine, since you are uh, new to the podcast, I will explain it to you. So basically... Uh, I've gone through Letterboxd. I have found uh, four real reviews, uh, and I also made up a review. And you have to decide which one I made up. Oh boy! Um, <laughs> are you both ready? All right. Number one. Why do what ifs in movies hurt so good? Number two. Arthur being the most rational person in this film is saying something. (laughs) Number three. Man, get over it. (laughs) Number four. Arthur might be the strongest person in any movie. He wasn't worried once because he knew what he had. 
And number five, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind fans really be like that. <laughs> Which one did I make up? One with four. You're going with number four. That was the Arthur might be the strongest person. Yeah. yeah. That is incorrect. Ah. You were close. Mine was also Arthur, but mine was Arthur being the most rational person in this film is saying something. Um, close. So I, I regained my spot at, uh, uh-huh. at the top. Um, but now, why don't we get into some recommendations? Oh, boy. Um, I mentioned it before. When Harry met Sally, we watched this for the first time. Well, it was my first time watching it. No, it was not mine. Okay, it was my first time watching it, and I had a laugh. I love Billy Crystal. The fits are fitting in that movie. The fashion. Oh, tense, yeah. It's so good. Bring back some like late, late 80s fashion, please. Very nice. What's, what's hmm. yours? What's, what's yours? A recommendation, like just, for just a movie? Anything. Give me go. Like literally anything. I really liked the bird with the crystal plumage. Oh yes, Dario, Dario Argento. That was his first, his first film. I thought that one was hilarious. Um, yeah, I recommend it. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I'm trying to decide what movie I want to recommend. Um, what are the vibes right now? You know what? Uh, I watched uh, Gosford Park, which is a uh, a murder mystery from 2001 set in uh, the 1920s or 1930s, 1930s England. Uh, I got the uh, Arrow Blu-ray for it, and it's uh, you know it's very like Clue-esque in the old house setting, but like Knives Out, where you're like people are it's a bunch of rich people fighting over money. Uh, it's just a very like vibey film. Like you do, it, it's not really uh, driving in the sense of, of Knives Out where like it's it's really like fast paced this film's very like it, it's good to just like cozy up with a blanket make yourself some tea and just uh, <laughs> enjoy these British people talking about why they might want to murder this person um, yeah that's my, my recommendation highly recommend it's a, a Robert Altman film uh, Robert Altman uh, director of films like Nashville or uh, The Long Goodbye um, very, very well-known director, but uh, this was one of his last films uh, as he died in 2006. Oh. But yeah, that, that's my recommendation for this week. Well, anyways, thank you for listening. Uh, tune in next time when we talk about, uh, you know, something. <laughs> Bye-bye now. <laughs> <laughs>